When Hannah Marshall was picked for the role of head of scripted development at South Pacific Pictures, the only surprise, frankly, was that it took them so long to give her the job. Her track record in drama, sorry, scripted TV shows, is phenomenal on both sides of the Tasman. You've seen her in everything from Raised by Refugees, for which she was also the story producer, to Packed to the Rafters, for which she was nominated for a Logie. As well as an actor, she's an award-winning writer, director and creator of the acclaimed drama Alibi. Hannah Marshall, welcome to the show and congratulations. Oh, thank you. That's a wonderful introduction. (laughs) Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's fascinating to me how many writers and showrunners seem to come from an acting background. We had Fiona Samuel on the show last week, but I'm thinking of Tim Baum, Tyker, of course, Oscar Keitley and you. I mean, do actors think differently about drama from... People who simply write? It's a really interesting question. I actually was writing before I started acting and that I have a degree in English and creative writing and then kind of fell into the acting thing. But the more I was acting and on film sets and sort of interrogating story and realising that a lot of your job as an actor is to get a script and break it down and interrogate where your place is in the tone of something, naturally then when you're starting to screenwrite, I didn't realise the skills that I kind of already implicitly had that you sort of absorb from being on a set as an actor. And I wonder with those other guys, it's that same thing, your way into character or your way into story. It's all sort of one. Your job as an actor is to tell this story by pretending to be this particular person, but you still have to understand the whole and your job is to interrogate the show and your own part that you play. I know that um, yeah, I mean, most people, when they're watching TV shows, are actually emotionally responding to the actors, not realising that there's so much other work going on yeah. behind it, you know. Oh, totally. Like, the actors, you get all the credit. You're such a, a small part of this huge sort of machine. This is a pretty big job, though, isn't it, Hannah? I mean, SPP has been one of the major producers of TV drama in this country for decades now, mm. and they seem to have so much on the go at the moment. Yeah, um, I guess it is a pretty big job. I hadn't really thought about it in that way. Um, someone else said that to me the other night. They were like, so do you feel a bit of pressure? And I was like, like I hadn't until now that you said that. Um, yes, I mean, they're, they're an amazing company. They're a huge company and they've made such incredible shows that have reflected ourselves back to us and put us on the map in terms of these iconic shows they've created over time and films and stuff. The only thing I know how to do is story and storytelling and what's mm. uh, how can we find new ways to tell story and how do we kind of push boundaries. And I think to be able to do that then with a vehicle of, of an SPP that has, uh, like you said, so much going on and so much scope and breadth of talent. So I guess in that way, yes, there is a, maybe some pressure, but I just kind of, <laughs> I, you only know what you know and it's, it, mm. it, does, it doesn't feel so huge because it's just the same thing I've sort of been doing, but now with much more um, support, I guess. Are you still going to be doing production and writing or is the, is this a step away from that at the moment? No, I mean absolutely as in my own writing the stuff that I've done up to before um, beginning this job is, is, is exists in the world and is still a lot of the things I've written have kind of gone get, get traction overseas or you know but there's still, I still have to write that's something that is in me it makes my, my life better when I have a creative outlet particularly with writing the amazing thing about when I was talking to Kelly with um, Kelly Martin about this job was that one of my favourite things is to take 
other people's stories, worlds, point of views, perspectives, things that I don't live, and give that the strongest possible chance of, of making a show, but it will be different to anything I can come up with. I think one thing that you're very good at, clearly, is, as you say, shaping a story. Somebody else may have, have an idea. I'm thinking of Raised by Refugees, actually, right. which was a hugely successful show because it came from a particularly novel mm-hmm. point of view, yes. but it still went through a number of other people's typewriters, if you like, to be able yes. to say, that is brilliant raw material, now this is how we have to shape it. The uh, the job that was invented for that was a thing called story producer, which I'd not actually <laughs> heard before. Right, and that's exactly it. It's that I'm, I've been working with Pax on, on the second season, and it's incredible because he's got an incredibly smart story brain. He knows what he likes and doesn't. He's very clear on that, which is amazing. Mm. And it's just about working together to go now in a series, in our, in our linear storytelling world, how do we hit those beats? How do we hit the emotional beats? How do we put that into a structure that's going to mean that the story you want to tell is received in the best possible way in terms of it's going to impact people where you want it to. He's For the second season, he's, there's a, a really fascinating storyline, sort of main theme that he's, he's focusing on. And I'm learning so much by being in a room with him and talking about his history, culture, life. And that's the best thing about what we do, as in mm. we come from these two very different worlds, but then creatively... Our, our comedic sensibilities are very similar, but our, our histories are so different. So it's like we can kind of come together and try and fuse the different perspectives we have to make, hopefully, the show that he's stoked about. I, I love it. I love the job of that. It, it's exciting to me. One project that you, in a sense, made your name with, Hannah, was Alibi, which was a show that could be best <laughs> described as too clever by about three quarters. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> this was the series where you could watch all of the episodes in any order you liked. What on yeah. earth were you thinking? I know. What were we thinking? It was a, it was this great idea that then when you actually sat down to do it was incredibly challenging, but <laughs> the only way to you know that we wanted to work. So myself, my husband and, and business partner, um, David Delator and Gareth Williams, were sitting down. This was years ago. We were in the States. Um, we, I'd been living in America for, for a long time, mm. and we had the opportunity to sort of pitch a show back here that Gareth was sort of involved with TVNZ, and it was like... Our question to that we were what we were watching overseas and what we were seeing back home because it was a web series fund was what aren't we seeing? And one of the things we'd said was we hadn't seen at that time any dramatic short form stuff. It was a lot of comedy. And the other thing we were talking about, the question was, why are people going online? You know, because that's where we're all kind of going. And the benefit of that is people can binge watch a show. And then as we continued to riff on on this idea, it was like, well, what then are we not seeing online? If you can watch something all at once, what's the next thing you can do? And we were like, well, you can watch it in any order. Wouldn't that be exciting? And then the realm that that naturally fit into was the idea of a crime show because you don't need necessarily a linear narrative because you're always guessing. You're always... I I mean, I watch a crime show and I think every person that the episode is steering them towards, I'm like, they did it, they did it, they did it. So I'm a totally gullible watcher. So we were like, well, how can we use that plus the notion of like a perspective-driven and then interrogate the idea of truth and... Who is telling the truth and why do we believe that person versus that person and try and shine a light on kind of our own viewing and inherent prejudice all in the, under the skies of a crime show. So it was like a, a giant puzzle piece that we were constantly writing and rewriting. But for some reason, it just kind of worked in our brains. We just knew mm. how to do it. But it was 
the thought of writing something linear after that was just a dream. We were like, why, why, <laughs> why do we do this? But, but it, it, thankfully it worked. We didn't know if it was going to work. We hoped it would. But again, it was like from the writing process to then the, the putting together of a team and the vision for that show and, and just making a bold choice on a very, very small budget paid off, which was awesome. We, we didn't know and, and we're really grateful that it did. It did very well. I mean, I know that you got to write a pilot for the American remake. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, that was wild. Um, off the back of Alibi, we screened it in the States and um, I think a lot of people were like, right, okay, you guys, you know, you've got this like non-linear, like no one thought we'd pull it off and then we showed it and they sort of went, oh, that I see, that's cool. And so we wrote this entire American version of it mm-hmm. because again, at that time, trying to pitch a New Zealand show, this was sort of five years ago, um, they still didn't quite know where New Zealand was and <laughs> you know, so we'd sort of Americanized it. And obviously Tyke has very much changed that game now, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we sold it to CBS Studios, which is this huge studio over there and then pitched it to a network and then it got bought. So it was going to be a very different iteration they kind of want it to be like a procedural crime show with the format of alibi in it Mm. so we kind of yeah got a a crash course in procedural crime dramas with the guy that created csi and you know these oh goodness me it was insane it was amazing like i never thought that would be a genre i would be writing but it was fascinating and a real glimpse into how they work you know at the network level over there and obviously cbs is a huge network so yeah it was a real sort of deep dive into the school of network television in America. And it was amazing. And we got appeared with an American showrunner who kind of um, shepherded us through. But then, unfortunately, like, and timing is everything, I gave birth right before we wrote the draft. Oh. So it was an intense time with our first baby. And we were in New Zealand. So no one knew I was pregnant because I was on Skype and I hadn't said anything. I was like, <laughs> just... And so that was insane. And then COVID hit. So um, everything oh kind of got, got down tall. So that, yeah, it was a crazy experience that the timing went that way, but if it had gone, then we would have had to be in America with a baby. And In a way, some of the, sometimes these things kind of work out that they're sort of meant to happen in the way yeah. that they ended up happening. I yeah. wondered how much of your experience outside New Zealand, I mean, you talked about America, but also mm. Australia, where you yeah. worked on Pack to the Rafters. I mean, how much of that do you reckon helped you get this job? You've clearly got a way of looking outside the circle, so to speak. Yeah, I think... You know, I I am a believer in that every experience, kind of like you said, then leads us to sort of where we are right now. You can look back and sort of join the dots. But I feel like the reason I went to Australia and then moved to America is growing up, I just always wanted to experience living overseas. That was Mm. kind of the motivation. But then definitely being in those places and working in the industries over there, Australia and and the States, I was very lucky to get a job there. It was luck and timing and I don't know what. There's such huge industries and huge seas and you're this sort of tiny little cog in it but there's something about the work ethic to get the shot in both Australia and and America people work really hard and they're always looking out to how do how not only do you make how do you make a great show you know locally that is going to satisfy the things you're wanting to do but how do you make that stand out in a global market and it was the same with Alibi how do we not only make something we haven't seen in New Zealand then how do we make that we haven't seen anywhere and, and why not? Let's try. One of the issues, I guess, is the fact that it's a small mm. country here. Mm-hmm. There's only so much money in the kitty. Yep. How many drama shows, not just SPP, but in general, how many drama yep. shows can New Zealand afford to make per year, even with good co-production deals? I don't know the answer to that. As mm. in, we've obviously got the NZ on air pool, and now there's you know things are changing in terms of um, the merger and how that will look. But I think the funding structures or the ways of putting deals together are cha- is changing, mm. and so it's not even like how many. I think you know that would depend on our 
crews. Like we've got a limited amount of people that can work on these shows, but we're doing so many currently. And I think it's about finding the niches, finding these local voices and telling local stories, but finding overseas partnerships and using our people that are doing really well overseas to bring back to our industry. I think the sky's the limit. You look at the other countries, like in Ireland, or I always think of the the Danish version of The Killing, the Phil Bridelson. Sure. They've got a similar population size to us, but they're managing to make content that is varied and translating to an international audience as well. You mentioned the fact that you know a lot of uh, SPP projects mm. tend to have long legs. I mean, I was thinking about, well, obvious things like Shortland Street, but Brokenwood yep. currently, but prior to that, you know, there was sort of West Side and, mm-hmm. and Outrageous Fortune, all that sort of things. Shows with the went on and on. Is your job keeping shows going for a long time or is your job coming up with regular new ones? <laughs> uh, good question. Let's talk to Kelly. Um, no, I think it's a bit of both. I think what SPP has done so well, exactly like you're saying, is referencing those shows that have longevity. And mm. I think even in a marketplace, like to talk about the, the business side of it, having a returnable show, having something that can have multiple seasons is the dream. It's, it's something you can build an audience on. Like anything, often a show in its first or second season is still finding out what it is. You know, that's why you try to do as much development beforehand. It gives an opportunity for the writers and for the voice to and for everything to really embed itself. So I think I'm really excited about what that next returnable, new fan-dangled version of that show is in New Zealand. And like we're saying, the funding is different now so you can you can look at limited series ideas, something that might exist in just an arc of six episodes or something that's more anthology. I think it's up for grabs what people are wanting. I think it's all guesswork as in what's going to hit and what's going to be great. And I think it would be great to have it returnable. But if you're making a splash with a limited series that can, you know, you can come up with a second series or it's giving voice to a new filmmaker or to a storyteller. Given the fact that you've only just sat down in the chair now for about a week or so. (laughs) But if I was a new, young, keen person trying to crack into the drama scene and I wanted to write something, what are you looking for? Is there a particular maybe just in a particular approach that you're looking for? That's a very interesting question. I think what I'm looking for is an integrity to a voice. It's a voice. It's a perspective and a a certainty of point of view, but it's about really understanding the pitch and the hook and the and the why now that you're wanting to tell something. And I think I'm looking for something surprising, I guess, which mm. I don't know what that means or what that is. I'm a fan of so much television and so many different genres, mm. but it's like I'm excited by someone pitching me something that I could never have any idea how to write in terms of if it's like a some genre that I'm I'm not across, but I'm like, oh, you've made me feel I get the thematic undertone of this but it's told through this medium a a ridiculous comedy or a a horror or a thriller or a family drama it's sort of not genre or specific thing I'm looking for it's like there's so much out there Mm. Um, I think the things that really spark to us are, are things that are surprising but grounded still in the universal themes of what it means to be human of our own experience as Kiwis you know.